When you examine how deals are closed, there is an element of basic forms, and then there is a unique surprise of creativity. And so when you dig in, where do you find this creativity and how do you use it? Every single message you deliver is really a sales call. Either you are selling or being sold. Salespeople love to brag about their skills. And the truth is, your success in closing sales depends on your skills, your abilities, and finding the right training. And the great news is, you have come to the right place here at The How to Sell Show with your hosts, Dale Bell and Scott Silvenbell. And be sure to join the party at howtosell.live and download your copy of The 10 Common Mistakes Salespeople Make. Aloha from Sacramento, California today. Today's a fantastic day. I'm coming to you live from the How to Sell Show studios. And the topic for episode number 151 of this How to Sell Show podcast is Closing Takes Creativity. And closing deals can be all about creativity, or closing deals may be none of creativity. It really depends upon the person that you meet with. And I don't often see uh, this explained this way. I don't I don't always see people talk about closing in a way that that makes sense. Um, in the in the Facebook groups and in the social groups that I'm in, people will say, "Well, here's how you close a deal: you raise your price so you can lower lower it." I'm like, "Okay, this is like a 1920. Everybody knows that play." And then people will say, "Well, how about you just price match?" Like, okay. To, in my mind, price matching is a form of just like. Uh, lazy order taking for the most part. There's time and a place for it. There's appropriate places for it, but not an everyday thing. It's uh, to be used occasionally. So let's let's roll into something, a play or a gambit in sales. A play is like, think, think about this. You have a favorite sports team, football, soccer, hockey, baseball, you know, cricket, <laughs> depending upon where you are in the world. And, and the teams use plays. And a play may be like, we're going to run the ball this direction, or a play may be, we're going to fake throwing the ball over here. Uh, same thing as a gambit. Like it's, a gambit is an older word for it. So you could use a play or a gambit. And most salespeople have routine play structures. And the way that they sell is pretty much the same same conversation with everybody without any type of, of variation or deviation. And there's places to do that. There's places to not do that. I, I'm i not saying make up a new sales process or a new play every time that you go into a sales call, but different teams that you're opposing against are going to have different plays too. So the reason I say is closing takes creativity is you have a ton of selection. There's, I don't know, hundreds of closes out there. there there's hundreds of different types of pre sales presentations. They all have a lot of the same basic tenets. Okay. And the reason I say it takes creativity is when, when you study creativity, it comes down to taking two ideas and combining them and leaving some stuff behind. And the reason I say closing takes creativity is you have a play or a gambit, the buyer has a play or a gambit, and you're combining two ideas, and you're going to have to leave some of that content behind. So when you take a look at it, I'm going to refer to your team as you. What does your team know how to do? What plays do you know? Right? And, and most salespeople have two plays. This is it. Um, let's price match, or I'm going to raise my price or I could discount. Let's go with number three. Let me go talk to my manager. 
You know, I was watching uh, the YouTube last night and there was a guy making fun of car salespeople about what they do when they say, I'm going to go talk to the manager. And so that, that, that's your competition. That's, that's who you're up against. I need to go talk to mommy and daddy, as I refer to the, the management call. Uh, I, I'll, I'll price match or I'll discount. So like for you, the question is, if, if I took those three plays off the table for you, what would you have? Would you have the ability to close more deals? Would you have the ability to have conversations? Would you know some word tracks? Would you have some sales scripts? Would you be freaked out? Would you be calm? Would you be confident? Because most salespeople that I work with, when I say, okay, we're going to take away your three biggest ways to close a deal. What are you, what are you going to do? They're no longer available. We're going to take them off the table. They're illegal for, for the, the sense of role play. And we'll work through it. But in the beginning, panic ensues. Whoa, I don't know what to do. Okay. And here's the thing. The punchline to the joke is the buyer already knows that most salespeople are going to use those three plays and those three gambits. So, you know, uh, they can see the ball before it's being passed. So here's, here's the way that I see it. The best salespeople that I watch use base routines plus creativity. And a base routine, if you, if you compare it to something else like, say, karate or taekwondo, you know, as somebody is moving up in, in their skills in ta- karate and taekwondo, they have basic forms in each one of their belts. And this happens with the way that you work inside of sales, your knowledge, your capabilities, and what you do. And some of this is going to, once again, come down to the 80-20 rule. 80% of the presentation is going to be base and form. 20% is going to be creativity. 90% of the presentation is going to be base and form. 10% is going to be creativity. And for the, for the veterans out there who've been out there for a long time, it may be 50-50. It just really depends upon the type of person that you're meeting with. And I see salespeople get so rigid, so rigid that they will not, they, they, they won't make any changes. They'll say, hey, look, um, this is the way that I've always done it. This is the way that I'm always going to do it. I'm okay with making, I don't know, I'll give you a number, 100 grand a year, and I'm, I'm always going to make 100 grand a year, and that's it. And, and they're stuck. They're stuck because they're not willing to go outside of their comfort zone. So some of this is like, Creativity can be a little bit anxiety-driven. Creativity can be a little bit uh, just out there because like, there's no certainty involved. But then there's no certainty in sales. That's the greatest thing about sales, but it's also the thing that's like, oh my goodness, I don't know what to do. Okay, So creativity shouldn't be anything that's freaky. Creativity is one of those things where you look at it and you're like, okay, I'm stuck. How do I innovate? How do I figure out a way to get out of this? How do I move forward? My buddies in the Marines have improvise, adapt, and overcome. And sometimes that's that's really what it comes down to. You are thrown crazy, crazy, crazy things that happen in sales process. And it doesn't matter what you sell. I got friends that do uh, life insurance sales and financial sales, and they'll tell me some crazy stories. I got people that do car sales. They'll tell me stuff. I'm like, oh, my goodness. And then, you know, I did a lot of years in in-home sales, and there's a lot of crazy things I saw. It was adapt, improvise, and over- overcome. How you do this is you watch other sales presentations. You get an idea for what other salespeople are doing in other industries. And just go go find stuff to do. And what you're going to see is it's an 80-20 rule that 80% of what people do in almost all industries is the same. It's that difference is that 20%. It's the surprise. It's the uniqueness. And here's what you'll see is if your industry, for the most part, gives the same type of presentation 
and you have a competitor go give a presentation and they give the same one and then another competitor comp- there's no dopamine rush there's nothing interesting and so the buyer just reverts to price and so one of the ways that you hold attention with the buyer is by having a different process that they're watching and something to listen to so like when i sit down and i sell to people i want to make sure that i'm nothing like anybody else i want them to be like whoa this, this was either A, refreshing, or B, I'm surprised that you say the things that you say. Because I speak very frankly. There's things that I believe about sales, and there's things that I don't. And sometimes it goes against the, the grain of what managers and business owners think that sales is. Because here is what happens, is when people grow up in sales, the generation in front of you, the older generation in front of you, and I don't mean that like, you know, baby boomers passing on information to Gen Xers, passing on information to Gen Yers. I don't mean it that way. The generation of salespeople in front of you may be somebody who's been in sales five or 10 years. And there is a lot of uh, story tradition in the world of sales. I saw a guy do this, and this is what he did to close a deal. And I'll sit down with business owners, and I'll talk to them about what they think closing is. And they're completely off the mark. They think closing is just being super aggressive and asking for the sale in, in a way that is just super pushy, which... Hey, if that's your style, I'm not knocking it, but they don't see sales for the way that it's changed in the last 10 or 15 years because it has significantly and people's buying decisions have changed. They've got more access to information. And so I see salespeople pretty much on a daily basis fall flat on their face because all they know how to do is they know how to use one play. Let me give you a discount. Let me price match. Let me talk to mommy and daddy or let me call a manager. And so part of this comes down to an inverted bell curve. When salespeople are brand new, what they tend to do is they tend to ask a lot of questions and they tend to use a lot of creativity to get out of, of uh, the problems that they face in sales. And as they get better, they, they hit a stagnation so that they're in the bottom dip of, of the bell curve and they just do things the way they've always done them. And I could think of a couple of salespeople that I've met throughout my life that they do say things like, what's wrong with only making 100 grand a year? I'm okay with making a hundred grand a year. I'm like, but you know, for what you're doing, you can make three or 400 with the same amount of work, but they won't step out of their comfort zone. And then as you go towards the upper top of the bell curve on the other side, you've got somebody who's been in sales for a while. They've been there they're a closer. They've got skills, they've got talents, and they're willing to do things that are creative. But once again, they're not running in and, and just being creative hundred percent. They have a set sales process, 80, 20, 80% of it is base knowledge, 20% of it may be very creative. And what you'll find is if you watch presentations and and you see enough of them, here's what you're going to see. If you have somebody who's solely using creativity in the sales process and they're not using bases and forms and, and set strategies and then adding creativity, it looks very sloppy. It looks all over the place. If you've ever had a family member come to you and ask you for money and there's nervous energy around it, and it just feels sloppy, that's what it's like to watch somebody present that just goes 100% off of creativity and just goes off the rails. And when you think through this, the the sales processes, these are the things that you could take a look at to be better at what you do. One, role play. Role play with people from different industries. I've always found it interesting. Anytime I go to an event and I'm with salespeople and I'll say, hey, you know what? I'm kind of curious. What's the biggest objection that you face in your industry? And then they'll tell me, I'll say, like, what do you say to overcome it? What's your word track? Role play here with me for a second. And they're here, are you serious? I'm like, yeah, let's, let's do it. And, and I say, hey, I'll trade you. 
Uh, I'll show you what I do if you show me what you do. And sometimes we do things that are similar. Sometimes we do things that are just completely different. And I'll go, hey, that was very good insight. Thanks for, for sharing it with me. Do you mind if we keep in contact? We might connect on Zoom and let's do this again. I've met some really cool people throughout my life by just saying, hey, will you role play with me for a minute? And, you know, not everybody's going to be open to it. Not everybody's going to say yes to it. But, like, you don't know what you're going to pick up. Reading. Okay, let's start with the basics. You got books on sales. Yes, there's hundreds or thousands of them at this point. You got negotiation. There's some really good books out there, uh, especially some of the ones that have come out recently. But I'll, I'll tell you that if you take a look at um, no, start with no, Jim Camp. My brain froze for a second. If you start with Jim, Jim Camp, start with no, or no, the only negotiating tool you'll ever need. And if you start with that basic found work, framework, and then you go to something like Chris Voss, never split the difference. Oh my goodness, mind blown. But start with Jim Camp. I, I've read a ton of books on negotiation and his framework it, from a psychological standpoint and from uh, an ability of usership standpoint just augments anything that you're going to know about negotiation. And then when you combine it with what Chris Voss teaches, ooh, you're in for it. Decision making. So decision making for, for a lot of people is misunderstood. There is a science to it. So, you know, decision-making and then even heuristics. Heuristics is a pretty interesting topic. And then I'm going to give you one other one that nobody in the world of sales is talking about that I have seen. Uh, conflict resolution. And if you're thinking like, well, Scott, why conflict resolution? Because when you get to the end of a sales process and somebody's giving you an objection, you can consider that conflict. And if you study conflict resolution, for all the better. Good for you. And if you're in a relationship, it helps out. Now, I'm going to give you a strategy that I learned in copywriting. I learned this probably 10 or 11 years ago from David Garfinkel. David Garf, or Garf is the copywriter's column, uh, was my copywriting coach. And he said, here's what you do. You go into a, a coffee shop and you eavesdrop on what people are saying and what they're complaining about and what they said about their complaints. And sometimes it'll give you keys to be creative to get out of a process. There are those sales calls that you go and you're like, I have no idea what to do here. I have, and you, you just have to figure it out and it has to be creative. But when that happens, you do want to keep a playbook. You do want to have the ability to go back and say, you know what, here's what I tried in this situation. And when you do that, you can talk it through with your friends. You can say, hey, like, here's what, uh, what went down and here's the play or the gambit that I used. What, do you, what would you have done? And this is something that's going to sharpen your skill. You know, there's that saying, steel sharpens steels. And I want to let you know, you cannot prepare for everything. It's not possible. There's no way to look and try to build a contingency plan for every single situation. As you develop your sales skills and as you go through time, you're going to learn content, strategy. Uh, some people may call them tactics, plays, things to ask, stalls. But as you're growing some of the best times for you to grow is going to be when you're stuck and you just don't know exactly what to do. This allows you to build your playbook. You'd be in training forever if you're trying to cover every topic. So this is why I'm going to give you some things to be good at. And they're not necessarily things that have to happen in sales. Uh, be patient. Now, this is something I've struggled with my entire life. I'm not a patient person. I'm not. <laughs> revelations here on the how to sell show scott sylvan bell is not a patient person be calm this is something that i've learned over time i listen now to a lot of opera a lot of classical music you know sometimes people will say go listen to some rock before you go on to a sales call like 
I can be a very overpowering person and go way too far. So I found for me, I'm just like calm. And so sales is a form of leadership. And when, when you're meeting with your buyer and you can prove that you're calm, even under stressful situations, they're like, yeah, this guy's been here or this girl's been here and they know what they're doing. Ask questions. Questions are the insights. So how questions are really good. Um, why questions can drive people up the wall. Why questions can get you in a lot of trouble. What questions are good. So if you can target the why, I'm sorry, if you can target the how and the what and not the why, okay? Uh, listening. And one of the cool things that I've learned about listening, and I got this from my mentor, is when you're listening and you're taking notes, people will not interrupt you. And it's a way for you to to get some bearings and to get some time. So if you and I ever sit down for a sales presentation, I'm going to take a lot of notes because it's proof that I'm listening and it's proof that what you're saying is important. And I get to like give myself a little bit of time to think so I don't have to come up with an answer right off the bat. Reframes. Reframes. Uh, we're going to go a little political here. But I think you're going to like it. I don't really care for either political party here in the United States. But what I do is I watch the debates. I watch when one politician is debating another, and I look for the reframes. And so the most common reframe is, it's not this, it's that. What you're saying is this, what I really think you're saying is that. It's That's like the most common reframe used in politics. And... You know, especially if you can watch content that you do not agree with, it's easier for you to pick up reframes than if you're watching content of people that you like. So whatever political political party you are in the world, look at the competition. If you don't have competition in where you are in the world, look at a, another party from a different country. But you can look and you can find reframes. Uh, you can... Take a look at what's going on in processes and look at how other companies charge. What are what are some of the ways that you could possibly pay with other industries? And then go, hey, look, is my industry doing that? So I think I give you six different ways for you to look for ways to be creative. And they're not always like you would think like, oh, be creative. I'm going to go color a book. No, no, no. Being patient, being calm, asking questions, listening, reframes, and looking for other ways that companies and industries finance, those are all ways to build your your creativity catalog. And for you, creativity could be in the terms. That could be how uh, the the deal is made. So there's a saying in, in the mergers and acquisitions world, you set the price, I set the terms. You set the terms, I set the price. Okay. It could be in financing. Not every industry offers easy payment plans. Financing is one way to do it. It could be in the deal structure, in, in, in the target dates and balloon payments, and the people who are involved, because it may be more than a one-way deal or a two-way deal. And then it can come down for you asking for the sale. I don't know how many sales presentations that I've sat in where salespeople haven't even bothered to ask for the sale. And I want to give you one last thing. You know, uh, just because you don't like somebody or you don't like the way that they are doesn't mean you can't learn from them. I was watching TV or YouTube and I saw this thing with Grant Cardone where he was traveling and he had moved and was proving that you can you could build a million dollar business in 90 days. And I was watching him and and I was interested in the way that he interacted. And there was a point where he was sitting down with a business owner and he needed $10,000. And he's asking the guy, he's like, I know you don't know me very well, but I need $10,000 to get this thing started. And if you if you watch that episode, 
and you isolate what Grant was doing in the conversation. If you look at him, he was having fun. He had a big smile on his face. His energy was good. Uh, he had good rapport with with the guy that was the business owner that he was asking ten grand for, and the guy said yes. So there is a little bit of an element of fun when it comes to creativity. I want to isolate some phraseology, some words for you for some directions that you can go for some word tracks here. And part of it's going to be something we went over already, which was a reframe. If we can do this, can we do that? Okay. So like, just think about like, if I can do this, would you do that? So like one of my favorite questions, anytime that anybody ever asked me for a discount is like, if I could do that, then what? Which is a similar phrase. If we can do this, if we can give you this upgrade, can we get you to move forward today? Okay, this this is what some people would consider basic sales training, but I don't always see people go over this information, so I don't know what you know, right? I'm just talking to you through the How to Sell Show studio. How about this? How about this? And another version of it is, why don't we do this? These are all test phrases. Give me an idea what you think about this. So you're, you're looking for an angle to make something happen to be creativity. Be creative with it. So it's either a wrapped up in if, if, if I can do this, then what? If I could do this, could we do that? And you take out the word this and replace it with whatever idea or concept that you have. If we give you this upgrade, would you move forward right now? If we give you this upgrade, could you move forward right now? And you can start combining these and make them into like big, a big giant master sentence. And so how about and why don't we are the other two things. So if, how about, and why don't we? And then last on this list is give me an idea. And you could build out probably two or 300 different ways to say these things, but I would isolate one or two of them to give you some traction in the sales process, to give you the ability. Closing deals becomes a point where it's all about creativity. And that creativity is 80% of your base knowledge plus 20% of like, I'm just going to try something new. I'm going to throw something out here. I'm going to see what I can do. Because remember, your competition's got three moves. How about we decrease the price? How about we price match? Or let me go talk to mommy and daddy or what I refer to as the manager. And so if I had to take away those three ways for you to close a deal, those three ways being I'll give you a discount, I'll price match, or I need to go talk to mommy or daddy, what could you do? Could you close some deals? Could you make it happen? Could you could you find your way into the sales process? And for some people, that's a realization that you've got three moves. For some people, they're like, oh yeah, I've got like 40 different things that I could do from here. There's there's a ton of different things that I can do. You do need some. some. You do need some creativity in the sales process or it's going to come across very sloppy and very fly by the seat of the pants. And I'm going to give you some numbers. If you go in and fly by the seat of your pants in most of the industries that I work in, you're going to close with an 11 to 18% closing rate. That's it, 11 to 18%. Just because there's no set process, there's nothing that you're doing. You're being trying to be too creative. There's no way to go back and take a look and say, here's what I did in the sales process. You're also going to want to keep good notes. You're also going to want to keep good notes because then you can go back and explain what you did to a coach, a mentor, a coworker, and it helps you out. So I keep a file on my phone because at this point in the game with technology, you can put all sorts of documents on your phone, checklists. 
I just have a running Word document that I keep on my home screen for Word tracks, for content, for things that I can find. And I look for those. I'm consistently looking for Word tracks in movies. I'm consistently working, looking for Word tracks in books. I'm consistently looking for Word tracks when I hear other people say something amazing. You know, it's not like sales is a process that's constantly growing. And you never know what's going to come out and hit you. So I'm going to pull up my phone right now. And I'm going to tell you a word track that I was taking a look at uh, just the other day. And it doesn't mean that in its purest form, it's ready to go. It doesn't mean that it is is uh, ready. It's ready to be rolled out. It needs some massaging. So like uh, I was watching Suits. I had suits on in the background. I wasn't watching it. I had it. I had it on the background again. Harvey Specter is a freaking closer, uh, so he he said something along these lines. He says, "If you really want to do this, I'm going to work with you in good faith. Um, and if all I am is a placeholder, I'm not interested. Today's not my first day." So I was like, "Oh my goodness, I'm going to put that on my list. I'm going to massage that. I'm going to find a way to use it." So for you to be creative. Some of us are going to have to go outside of your industry. You're going to have to look in different places. I just happened to pull that from a TV show, Suits. Okay? So creativity isn't just what you do in the clothes. It's what you do before the clothes. It's what you do to gather your content. It's what you do to gather your information. It's what you do to make yourself better. And some of that's going to come from outside of the industry. It's not always going to come from sales. Just like I told you in the books to read, one of them is conflict resolution. Conflict resolution is the one thing that nobody's talking about in sales and just, just that conversation isn't there because nobody's like, oh, I, I could be looking at conflict resolution to be better at a closer. Absolutely. Because isn't that what it is? I'm going to give you some conflict and tell you, no, I'm not buying. And that's a form of rejection. And most people can't take it, so they can't move forward. Thanks for checking out this episode of the How to Sell Show. You can join the party at howtosell.live to get the show notes, links, updates on new episodes, recordings of previous episodes, articles, as well as videos. You may not know this sales secret, but sharing this episode with a friend will bring you good luck. See you soon. Mahalo.